Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. So we're going to be looking at at the book of 1 Peter this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and take those out. Find 1 Peter. It's towards the back. Um, And we'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to be looking at a special greeting this morning. If you get to 1 Peter, you'll notice that like, hey, this is just the greeting, John. What are we? Okay, yeah, we're talking about greetings today. The calendar this time of year just kind of presents us with this natural yearly greeting. We're saying goodbye to one year and welcoming in another one. Uh, So we're going to look at at these greetings. We've just celebrated God's greeting, his introduction to the world through Jesus on Christmas. That's what the angels heralded when they showed up to the shepherds and they welcomed Jesus into the world. So we've just celebrated a greeting. And we're going to consider our text this morning and what God has for us through this greeting from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at our text this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So there's a couple of things that we need to consider this morning about the first, uh, first epistle of Peter. Uh, This is one of two letters that we believe the Apostle Peter wrote uh, in the New Testament. It's very similar in its audience to the book of James. He also writes to the the dispersion, the diaspora in the New Testament. And what that is, is those are followers of Christ who have been dispersed throughout the the region in that time and had had left their homes and were scattered through all these areas that, that Peter mentions. So his audience is a wide group of people. Um, a lot of times in the New Testament, especially in the, um, the epistles of Paul, he's directing his letter and his correspondence to a specific group of people, a church. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Corinthians, that's what Paul does. Peter here is kind of addressing the, the church, the capital C church, the believers and followers of Christ who who his intention here is that this letter will be shared and spread throughout the, the world. Um, and one of the major themes that we see in the book of Peter, this first letter, is, is what it means to live as Christians in the world. How do Christians respond to their culture? And it just, it hit me as I was preparing for a, uh, this lesson today. This is a very timely message for us, isn't it? How has the, the rapid rate of change in our culture just over this last year, just kind of given you pause to think about how you live life as a Christian in the world? Has it given you a chance to think about how you treat people 
Have you struggled this year with weariness or confusion or frustration at times or maybe even anxiety and fear? I pray your hearts would be encouraged this morning. I pray God's word would be a blessing and a help to you this morning. And I pray that God would refresh us by the good news of great joy that we celebrate this time of year. The good news of Jesus. So let's look at our text here. Peter begins with a bold introduction. He's packed a lot in here in this introduction, these first few verses. Uh, In fact, it's really the foundation for the rest of the letter. Um, He wants to get the main point out there and then everything else kind of works its way off of this this greeting, really. Uh, And he puts his name out there, Peter, an apostle of Christ. Now, Peter was never known to be subtle in the the Gospels. He was kind of out there and uh, uh, bold in his uh, pronouncements and, and declarations and just the life that he lived. But in this greeting we see that Peter has fully comprehended and has a a new understanding of who he was in Christ and that had been reconciled with the name that Christ had given him. When when Christ asked him, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Messiah, Son of God. He's like, you will be called Cephas and on this rock I will build my church. So we see in this greeting that Peter is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He knows who he is in Christ. He is no longer the coward who denied him at his trial and death. He is a man who is bold for the truth of Jesus, and he proclaims that truth for us today. He proclaims the truth about who God is, what he's done for us through Jesus, and who we are. All in these first few verses. This is great stuff. And I pray that as we look at our our scripture today, that we would see that the most important message we need to welcome into our lives is what God has accomplished through his son Jesus, what he is doing through the Holy Spirit to bless his people. So this, this is, as Peter writes in in this introduction, is the foundation for how we live as exiles who are scattered in a foreign and dangerous world. That's that's how he uh, greets the people he's writing to, as exiles. And it may be tempting to simply pass over this introduction as a common greeting, but I'd encourage us this morning not to be too hasty. Let's Let's take a pause here. There are some truths that we need to consider in the text this morning. I pray that we would look at these truths that establish who God is and what he's doing in his people's lives. So the first truth we see in uh, Peter's letter is that Christians exist, followers of Christ exist in this world as exiles or strangers. Is that a comfort to you this morning? I hope it will be. What does this tell us about our reality? 
what does it mean to be in exile? Have you ever thought of that? Do you, do you consider yourself without a home in this world? Without some place to call your own? Or have we defined our lives by the, the walls that we build? The people that we surround ourselves with? The wisdom that the world tells us is right? Or the traditions that we hold to? The locations that we live in? Is that what we call home? Or do you consider your life as one of exile? I mean, this is a, this is a common thread through Peter's letter. And the idea of being exiles or strangers in the world. In fact, at the end of the letter, not only does he begin this way, but at the end of the letter, he signs off the letter from Babylon. Which is weird, considering who Peter was and, and where he lived. <laughs> But it was not weird considering what Babylon represented, especially to Jewish Christians and their understanding of Babylon's role in their exile as a nation. But it was also very important for new Gentile Christians to understand what God had been doing through history in the lives of his people. And so it was important for Peter to understand to uh, address his audience in a correct manner. And it's important for us today to understand what our life in Christ is like in this world as one of exile, strangers in this world. And I admit, on the surface, this can seem a little isolating. Like, what? I grew up here my whole life. This place is pretty familiar. I kind of like it here. It's great. The lake is beautiful. We've got Branson. It's awesome. Um, And it can be scary to think of ourselves as exiles or strangers in this world. But I pray that as we kind of walk through this and and think about what it means to be an exile in the world, that our hearts would be encouraged. Um, One encouragement that this offers us is it, it helps us with our identity. We understand that our identity is no longer wrapped up in the things of this world as exiles. We are strangers in this world. The, the riches and the comforts that this world has to offer, the reputations, the, how we spend our time, all these things that we fill our life with, they do not define us. We are exiles in this world, and that means we belong somewhere else. As followers of Christ, we understand that our lives are bound up in the promises of God not the things of this world. So you are not your job. You are not your successes or your failures. You are not your reputation. You are not your preferences. You are not your political affiliations. You're not your pleasures that you indulge in. You're not the fears that cause you to struggle. And hear me, I'm not saying these things don't impact who we are and how we live. But our lives are not defined by them. That's not who we are. We are God's people. He gives us new identities. We are exiles in this world, but God has delivered us and welcomed us into his presence. He is our identity, and we find our home in him. Another encouragement 
as we uh, un- understand what it means to be in exile. So that, that term in this, is, this letter kind of hints at the circumstances of these people's lives. Um, in all likelihood, based on what we know of first century Christendom, these people were scattered because of persecution, danger, or uncertainty that they were facing uh, in a hostile culture. They were being persecuted. And Paul is writing to a persecuted people. Friends, let this sober reality settle into your hearts. Your expectation for how you are treated in this world must be grounded in the truth of God's word and the example that we have in our Savior Jesus. We should not expect better treatment than our Lord and Savior. Savior. So you may suffer for your faith, but as Peter goes on to say in his letter, this this is a trial, a temporary trial, whose reward is more precious than anything that this world has to offer us. Our persecution as exiles that we face in this world has been redeemed from shame to honor. Another encouragement for your life as an exile is that God has prepared a place for you with him. This is good news. And this is for all eternity. That's a long time. We can't comprehend it as much as we like to think we can. We cannot. We don't know what it'll look like. We don't understand that amount of time. But God assures us that he has prepared a place for us. So the psalmist in Psalm 39 describes our life in this world as a mere breath. Psalm 39 verses four through six talks about this. We're not long for this world, but our hope again as exiles is not in this world or making a home for ourselves here. Now hear this promise from Jesus book of John chapter 14 he says let not your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me in my father's house there are many rooms if it were not so would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. So we may live as exiles in this world, but our hope and our home is in eternal life with Jesus. This is good news. This redeems an identity of exile into a glorious homecoming with Jesus. Truth number two that we must welcome into our hearts, and we see this in the second part of of Peter's greeting here, is that God is actively working and intimately involved with our lives beyond what we understand or know. Have you felt isolated this year, particularly this year? Have you felt alone Have you struggled with this longing for for people, for community, 
for relationships. Friends, God reminds us here, or Peter reminds us here, that God does not leave us alone. You are not alone. You will not ever be alone. God loves you, and he is with you. And there are a couple of terms here that, that offer us some eternal comfort and hope that they often get relegated to just doctrinal statements that we kind of don't really pay attention to and ignore. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we learned about in membership class. I remember that. Or they become these like theological hammers that we use to wield to win theological debates. Um, but these are important terms here. And Peter exalts God's work and intimacy with us as anything over and above all other relationships or experiences that we can put our trust in. He uses some words like elect. What does that mean? What does God's election mean? He says God's, he talks about God's foreknowledge how he knows you, how he knows all things. His, he talks about sanctification and obedience. And again, friends, these are, these are great theological terms that can expend a lot of time and energy talking about, but they are relationally redemptive words that Peter uses here to remind people who may be feeling isolated and alone that God is with them. Don't let them be dead words that have no meaning for your life. Each one of them carries with it a weight of infinite worth. What, what encouragement can we be received from God's work in the world? So what we understand of God's election and foreknowledge is we understand that these are great mysteries of the faith. And I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're mysteries because we don't experience their effects or we don't have some kind of cognitive capacity to understand what they are. I mean to say that God's foreknowledge and election are mysteries to us because they are his. They are primarily concerned with his will, his knowledge, his motivations, and, and I don't want to dismiss the theological implications of these ideas, but I want to state quite succinctly and clearly that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And our, our goal here and Peter's goal here is not to help us learn something better about God. It's to experience a relationship built on truth of who God is. To encourage people who may be tempted to feel as if God is distant or removed and help them understand that there is nothing further from the truth. Friends, your life is not an afterthought. You are not insignificant to God. An infinitely good and loving and holy God, it says in Job, considers your life. You are valuable to him. He knows your days. He knits you together in your mother's womb. He has counted the hairs on your head. He is closer to you than a brother. Ephesians 1.4 4 tells us that his relationship with you was established before the foundations of the world. God is working and he is intimately involved in your lives. This is a truth that we must cling to and this is a truth that Peter is helping us understand. And not only that, 
But he goes on to say that God has given us his Holy Spirit as a help in times of distress and uncertainty. He's working in our lives, friends. That's what sanctification is. He's growing us up in our faith. He is reminding us of who he is in a moment, my moment reality. Let me just ask you, where has the Holy Spirit been working in your life lately? What words is he bringing to your heart and mind? Or is he just saying, hey, there's God's word right over there on the table. You should go check it out. He's probably not talking like that. That's me, but... (laughs) What is he prompting in your heart? Who is he bringing to mind to pray for, to reach out to, especially in times where we want to withdraw? Because that's what we're being told. Are, Are you allowing God's closeness and his presence in your life to work fully in your life and through your life. The Holy Spirit acts to encourage our hearts moment by moment. The Spirit helps us each and every day. He empowers us. He encourages our hearts. He prays for us in ways that we don't even understand or know that we need. Romans 8, 26 tells us this. The Spirit is God's ongoing reminder of his great and never-ending love for his people. Are are there times coming to mind where, where God has helped you through certain situations, difficult seasons in your life, where he has brought clarity to some chaos that you've experienced? Maybe where he's brought uh, repentance in your heart and softened your heart to the hardness that you felt in light of your circumstances. The sanctification of the Holy Spirit is the preparation of the believer. It's for the hope that we have that transcends this world. God is not absent from your life, friends. He has never been and he never will be. That's good news. That's good news for for exiles in this world. That God is with us. Look back at our text there. It says, to obedience of Jesus Christ through his shed blood on the cross. Friends, this is where God's work finds its ultimate meaning and satisfaction for us. It's in the obedience of Jesus Christ to the will of his Father for his glory and for our good. And it has been one of the great joys of my life. I love, I love having a lot of kids. We've got four children. Uh, and so all, three of them can talk. One of them can't. But three of them have been running around the last few months uh, reciting Philippians 2 to us. They've been learning at Kid Life. And it's been great. They have little songs that go with them. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Um, and then they punch someone. And it, but anyway, it's been great. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to share a little bit about what they've been learning uh, and, and just pray that it would be an encouragement for you today. And, I, and it talks about the obedience of Christ and what his shed blood accomplished for us. But it says this in Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's, that's huge, friends, um, but I don't have time for that this morning. He emptied himself 
by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and this is key for us, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'll say it again. God's work finds its full culmination in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate this last week because of this truth that Paul is teaching us today. The obedience of Christ through his shed blood. In perfect obedience, Jesus considered the Father's justice against sin and his love for you as of infinite value. And it's tempting for us, it was tempting for the audience that Peter was writing to, to look at all the hurt in this world, to look at all the suffering in this world, to look at all the confusion and be (laughs) turned off by the thought of a good and loving God. How can he be good and loving in light of all this? Friends, my appeal to you today is to look fully on Jesus. You want an answer to that question? Look to Jesus. Jesus' perfect obedience to God and his shed blood for us is where the full reconciliation is made between a holy, loving, and just God and sinful, rebellious men. We often reduce sin as just to some wrong things that uh, we'd like to make right. Friends, that's not what motivated the Father to send his Son to our lives. The impact of sin is absolutely horrifying and overwhelming for us to consider, and that's why a lot of us don't want to consider it. In fact, if it's not horrifying and overwhelming to you, Say you haven't had a proper understanding of what sin is. To consider sin is to consider, yes, our mortality. But it's not just our mortality. It's that of all of humanity. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it separates us from the Father. And 2 Corinthians tells us that Jesus came Not to have a birthday party, although that's great and I love presents. Let's celebrate the heck out of that, yes. But he came to be sin for us, to become sin, 2 Corinthians tells us. He became all of the evil committed by human rebels. He became all of the vile practices of men. And it doesn't take us long to get to some deep, dark places when we think about how evil men are. He became all the corrupt thoughts. So these aren't just actions that we can perform and make right. He became the utter perversion of humanity for us. Why? For God's glory And his love for his people. He came so that we could become righteousness in him. That's the good news. That's what Peter is reminding people who may be feeling a little hopeless right now in their lives. That need to hear some good news. 
Jesus became our sin so that we would know his goodwill towards men. Again, that's what we just celebrated. The gospel is so unbelievable because it is so offensive to us. We look at Jesus and deep down we know that Jesus bore our sin. He bore our penalty for us so that we can know a relationship with a loving and holy God. That brings us to the third truth that we need to consider and welcome into our hearts in Peter's introduction here. Christian hope is found in God's blessing. Peter concludes this greeting by asking for the continued blessing in the lives of his people, that, that the grace and peace of God would be multiplied to them. And when our world becomes uncertain, when our circumstances are chaotic or even dangerous, we often have a tendency to retreat to our finite understanding of things, of how the world works, and we go back into those defense mechanisms that we have built up in light of our sin. In fact, in during, it's during these times that we are tempted to revert to our sinful nature. We become fearful. We blame other people. Primarily, God, how could you do this to me, God? Where are you? And we, we try to hide. We try to isolate ourselves from others, from God. Fear, blame, and hide. This is nothing new, friends. This is Genesis 3. This gets lived out every single day of our lives. And I'd say 2020 has done a number on us, huh? But Peter reminds us here that what naturally follows God's work in his people's life is his blessing. The blessing of his grace and peace. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is not mere pleasantry, friends. This is not, how you doing? Good. Great. That's good to hear. When you're speaking to someone whose world is no longer what they expect or necessarily want, these words are richly given by Peter. And they are chocked full of hope and encouragement and meaning. Here, in this short little request of Peter's, may the God of grace grant, multiply his blessing in your life. Here we find the totality of God's blessing for all of life, for all of humanity, throughout all time, Old Testament and New Testament. Peace, he says, in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament, is seen as this a redemptive, comprehensive blessing from God. That his people would know and live in shalom is the term. And that's this idea of a loving and restorative relationship both between us and God and others. It's this comprehensive blessing that, that is echoed through the whole New Testament. It's what the promise of God is based on, the peace of God. Because of God's work, the, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit and the obedience of Jesus, we become persons of peace. There is rest for our souls in our relationship with God. 
And because of that, we, we don't even consider others according to the flesh anymore. Or we no longer blame others for our lot in life. We no longer hide from them in fear for what men can do to us. Because our hope is in Jesus and the peace that he has established. <laughs> I bring you good news of great joy and peace. No, it's because of the peace of God, our sins have been forgiven. God's wrath has been satisfied in the persons of Jesus, in the person who is Jesus, and we love others as we have been loved. As exiles, we are set about on a mission of reconciliation with the world. We're set about on a mission of peace. Our goal in living in the world is for others to know God's blessing for their lives through the work of the Holy Spirit, and because of Jesus. We understand that peace in this world between ourselves and God and ourselves and fellow sinners is only made possible through the work of God. God's work multiplied in us and through us. And this is crucial for us. Crucial for us in today's culture. This is the message people need to be hearing, friends. Humanity is bent on releasing this tension that we feel. There is this immense weight of sin that we all feel, and it takes different forms, and we express it in different ways, but we're all looking for relief. We're all looking for justice from this perceived wrong that is being committed against humanity. And, and let me be clear, <laughs> it's not the injustice of others that we're feeling although you may sympathize and empathize with that, the injustice you feel is your sin against God. That's what we all struggle with. That's what we all wrestle with. And we are laboring for others to know peace between us and God. Any hope of release from that tension, any hope for rest in our souls, any hope for peace outside of Jesus is a futile exercise. There is no peace apart from Jesus. There is no justice outside of the just and the justifier. There is no hope for life absent Jesus. If you want peace, you need Jesus. Your neighbors need Jesus. Your coworkers need Jesus. Our enemies need Jesus. Our friends need Jesus. I feel like we get the, the message wrong sometimes and offer them other things. What they need is Jesus. Which brings us to the next part of Peter's blessing, grace. May God's peace and grace be multiplied to you. So we see God's grace as the fulfillment of the promise of peace in Jesus. God's people in the Old Testament put their faith in a promise. They trusted in the word of God to deliver them. And that promise is fulfilled and announced in the arrival of Jesus in the New Testament. This is God's grace, this gift that he has given to men. God is pleased to offer salvation to us. God is pleased to forgive us from our sin. God is pleased to reconcile and make peace with us. 
And it is his grace extended to us through Jesus, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. This grace is sealed upon our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we confess with our mouths what's happening there, we are saying that we agree with what God's word says about Jesus. We believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead and that his wrath against sin is fully satisfied in your good effort? No. In Jesus. This is the amazing grace of Jesus. We experience the fullness of his joy and blessing through this amazing grace. So friends, as we kind of wrap up 2020, um, I do want to remind you that our hope for this life is not a better 2021, although I do pray that God grants us that. But we are not guaranteed that. And to put our hope in that is, again, a false hope that will leave you wanting and unsatisfied. My prayer for you is that you would know the great and only hope that we have for this world is a life full of peace and grace with Jesus. That's why living in this world as an, as, as an exile is a game changer. We no longer live as if this world has any hope to offer us or is our home, and we no longer live to uh, as just strangers here anticipating some kind of temporary relief. We live here as exiles who have been glorious delivered, gloriously delivered by Jesus. This is our message. This is what we need to hear as followers of Christ, and this is what our world needs to hear, who is looking for this peace, this grace. As I mentioned, um, well, I may not have mentioned it, but I love greetings. They're full of hope. There are new experiences available to us every time we get together with someone and, and welcome them and say hi. These greetings are always filled with just community and relationship and, and, and all the good things. Um, and they are shared experiences. The greeting offered to us today from, from Peter is so desperately needed in our lives, in our world today. And, and not a single word of God's word is insignificant. And I pray this morning that God, through his Holy Spirit, would work in your life to bring about the full effect of this good news that we have in Jesus I pray it would be an encouragement to your soul this morning, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to consider this morning, who else needs to hear this message? Who needs to be reconciled with God? Who do you need to share this, this good news we have in Jesus? Who needs to hear this hope that we have? Who needs deliverance? The message of God granting peace and grace through Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit is all that matters for us, friends. It's all that matters for all of us. Who are you sharing it with? Share it boldly. Let's pray.